the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Looking for a mobile measurement partner? Or like the cool kids like to say, an MMP? Well, we've got you covered with our partner, Airbridge.io. Experience an unparalleled, accurate, and unified view of your mobile marketing performance, even in today's dynamic landscape shaped by privacy changes. What's more, Airbridge has recently launched MMM Studio, setting a new standard as the only MMP offering a self-service marketing mix modeling solution. Say goodbye to guesswork and hello to data insights. Learn more by going to their website, airbridge.io. That once again is airbridge.io. Notix is an audience re-engagement service based on web and in-app push notifications that work for both desktop and mobile devices. With Notix, website app owners and marketers can share their content and interact with their audiences in a highly engaging channel while still having the opportunity to monetize both mobile and web subscribers. Learn more by visiting notix.co. That is N-O-T-I-X dot C-O. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com. And this is the place, the right place that you should be every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific because we're going to really break down what's working in the app space today. And one of my favorite topics to talk about is early stage growth because I love talking about from going to zero to something. One, I love that topic because I feel like it's one of the hardest things to do. And then once you get to one to 10, to 15 to 20, it becomes a little bit easier. And here to break it all down, he is Nathan Hudson. He is a 2X growth, head of growth and founder of Perceptics. And I'm going to bring that on. A strategic growth partner that helps early stage mobile apps scale from pre-seed to series B. And his dad's pretty cool too. So shout out to you, Jude. But let's bring in Nathan. Nathan, my man, how are you? Steve, I'm good. How are you? I'm amazing, man. I'm better now that you're here, dude. <laughs> I was lonely by myself doing this. <laughs> I love having conversation with this. If you guys want to check out Nathan's website, it is in the YouTube description or your favorite podcast app. It is perceptics.com. Really beautiful website as well, man. Really cool. All right, Nathan, let's kick it off, dude. So when you're working with the client, and maybe we could do the interview now, we're trying to think about like when to do it. Well, let's really break it down. So when you're working with the client, like, hey, Nathan, what do you routinely hear from them? Like, what questions do they routinely ask? And then like, what is your process to help them so early on, you know, finding product market growth, what metrics you like to focus on? So break it down all for us. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, I think, to be honest, whenever I'm working with a new client, typically they're in the mindset of we need to grow, right? Like I want more installs, more trials, more subscriptions, more app opens, like just give me more. Um, And they're always kind of talking about that top line growth. Um, And like top line growth is amazing. Don't get me wrong. But when we're talking about early stage apps and maybe in a minute, like we should actually define early stage. um, But 
when I'm thinking about early stage apps, oftentimes like growing is the last thing they should be focused on. And they actually need to be focused on like building a product that people love, or at least improving the product so that people will love it a bit more. Um, and I think metrics wise, it really varies. Uh, mm. Like, you know, finding a North Star metric with each of the clients is super key. And then finding, you know, some core growth levers from there. Um, I think that's awesome. But like, Product market fit wise, I love the Sean Ellis survey, the kind of, you know, how disappointed would you be if you could no longer use insert product name? Mm. And if you're getting 40% on that, that's a good indication that you're moving towards product market fit. Um, one other thing actually with new clients is just taking a look at like their analytics, like product analytics. Like what is the retention curve? Um, if it flattens out towards, you know, a decent number, if it doesn't like drop, then it's a pretty good indication that you're nearing product market fit because if people stick around, you must be doing something right. Yeah, so true. Okay, well, let's start with that then. What? How would you define an early stage app? Yes, so a lot <laughs> of the apps that I work with are like BC-backed, right? So early stage for them is often not early stage for bootstrapped you know, apps or people like at home, like you know, solo developers trying to build their own app. So I'm really talking about people who maybe have a prototype, at least, like a working version of the app that they've tested with some people. Um, if they have raised funding, then, you know, they've maybe raised like a pre-seed and they've got something that does something, but they don't really have users on it. Um, that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's like the hardest thing, right, Nathan? Like I, I talk to clients and I'm like, do you have downloads? Okay, great. If you have downloads, we can fix anything. And I'm like anywhere from like 25 to 50. We don't need much. Like if you have daily downloads, I can fix anything and I'm ready to go. If you don't have downloads, well, shoot, man, it becomes harder to go. Hey, I want it. Romaine. Hey, love Mike Tyson. How does he know? How does he know? What do you, <laughs> how does he know? Uh, I love Mike Tyson. Maybe I <laughs> for everyone who's like, what? Why is he talking about Mike Tyson? So it was actually... When I met Steve, I was speaking about product market fit, and I used this kind of example of Mike Tyson. I also did a, a LinkedIn post, so maybe that's what Remains saw. Mm. Uh, but essentially, like when I think about Mike Tyson, I think about this like absolute monster of a, a, a man, right? Like he was ferocious, he was scary. People were just scared of him. Like there's stories about his, you know, opponents like literally shaking before they stepped into the ring with him. Um, and I call it like brutality. Like he's just brutal. Um, and when it comes to, you know, working on your app, uh, whether that be improving the product, whether that be figuring out which channels to use, whether that's, you know, going through your screenshots to optimize ASO conversion, whatever it is, you need to be brutal. Like being nice is good, but you need to be brutal when you prioritize. Like if you think something really isn't going to work and something really is, go with the thing that you think is going to work. Um, and if you've got data to prove that, 100% go with the data, be brutal. Um, think what would Mike do? Mm, I like it. Yeah, I thought you were going to throw in a Mike Tyson impersonation too. <laughs> At the end, I was waiting for that punchline, dude. <laughs> you know, the problem is, Steve, a lot of people think that I'm some sort of joke, man, but I'm brutal. Bro, I'm brutal. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble, but my, Mike's going to find me, man. <laughs> uh, I want to say hi to some few people. Ricardo's here. Mary, what's up, sup, girl? Hello. I'll just be listening today. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> During the workout, maybe. And then Ricardo loves the dad jokes. 
Mary says, I've been in early stage growth for six years. Ha ha. <laughs> Luke is here as well. What's happening, Nurix? And then Adrian. Woo. I'm early stage and it is a biatch. <laughs> I think we can say that. Good afternoon. What's up, Kevin? And then Romaine, we met in London. Oh, okay. Awesome prez from Nathan. Steve too. That's awesome. And then Patrick is here and Aromos is here as well. All right, Nathan. Hey, what I want to talk about with you, you said, hey, they might have a working prototype. So when you don't have downloads, when you don't have any analytics because of the debt, you don't have any downloads, then talk to me about your process. I feel like that is the hardest problem to fix. So do you focus on downloads first so that you can get some data? What do you do first? Really good question. I think the first thing is like set up analytics, right? Get things integrated. Um, I love to use like segment, uh, amplitude, mix panel, whatever you want to use, um, you know, purchase the revenue cat, anything like I'm not affiliated with any of the tools. I love them all, but you need to be able to have visibility. And I've worked with so many apps where they've been so focused on building feature, 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 where it's like, if we don't build in these features, we can't launch. Like, let's forget analytics. Let's just build out more features. And then six months down the line, they're so angry and frustrated because they have no visibility or no data. And all they're looking at is App Store Connect, right? And they're trying to manually like, fill in spreadsheets and that, that kind of stuff. So I think step one, take some time to build in and get a good sense of analytics. Like, build an event tracking plan. Every single screen view, track it. Every button, mm -hmm track it every onboarding step definitely track it um your core actions track them properties and property values for example like let's take a simple sign up event if you have sign up you want to be tracking whether or not people are signing up with email phone uh, gmail like apple sign in google sign in you want to track those everything um spend some time doing that that's the first thing and the second thing is when you ask the question, do you focus on installs or not? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say no. Okay. Right now, I know, I know, right? A lot of people I know are like, look, just pour some traffic top of funnel and then like fix the rest after. And I think there's a time for that, but I think there's also a time to just get the product in front of some people. So I have a question actually, and this is like for everyone watching to think about anyone who works in apps or anyone who is building their own app. And that is, do you think of your app like an app or a business? Mm. And what I mean is, I was speaking to this founder a couple of months ago, and he said, when you think of like Uber, Uber are like effectively a taxi business with an app, right? If you think about like, you know, big music streaming apps, they are, you know, music businesses with an app. Mm -hmm. Like, took the app away, they would still find a way to deliver content. And I think the same way when it comes to the apps you're working on, is it an app or a business? And it can be both, right? But if it's a business, then hopefully you're trying to solve a problem, like a real life problem. You know, the problem Uber is solving is how do I get from A to B? The problem like Deliveroo is solving is how can I get food to my home? Like headspace, calm, like how can I cope with anxiety? You know, these kind of things. So I think if you're solving a real problem, then you're onto something and you're on your way to building an app, but a business as well. And I think that's a really important kind of nuance to highlight because when you are solving a problem, it means that there's someone out there with that problem. And I've been like, not literally attacked, right? Shots fired, shots fired. But people don't like it when I talk about this 
because they feel like I'm calling them out. But if you're building an app for a problem that you either don't have or don't know anyone that has, like I recommend stopping um, because if it's not solving a problem, it's probably not a big enough pain for someone to pay for. And you're going to be really lost. So the kind of actionable step from all of that is, let's say you've got your prototype and you have this idea. Go and find 10 people with that problem. Let's say you're building, like, let's take, keep it really easy, right? An app to help you sleep. Go find 10 people that struggle sleeping and get them to use your app. Whether that's downloading it if you're already live, whether that's test flight, whether that's sending them the APK, like whatever that is, get them to use your app and have a close relationship with them to get feedback. Because that's where you can really, really learn. And it helps a lot in the long run. I love it. So it's almost like user, you know, usertesting.com. You can do that if you want to go the easy route. It's kind of like it reminds me of what Hannah said. She's like, I'll go up to people in the street, like, look at the screenshots. What does this app do? Look at the onboarding. What do you think this app does? And then get them to do it. So it's almost like, don't worry about it. Just find the first 10. You'll be all right. Find the first 10, right? Like if you've got the first 10, they will probably give you some feedback that is really um, brutal, hopefully, unless it's your mom, right? Don't ask your mom. <laughs> um, don't ask your mom. If you're married, ask your spouse. If you've got children, definitely ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be honest. Um, but yeah, like essentially, not. Ju- I, I'm not a fan of kind of like overly indexing on like the kind of user testing platforms, mm. only because sometimes they don't necessarily have the problem. Mm. Um, and they can kind of give you a bit more of what you want as opposed to what you need to hear. But like whatever you need to get started, go for it. I love it. Nathan, I'll tell you a quick story. My, I built this app like this was like 10 years ago or something. But I coded it myself and I was really proud of it, right? And then I showed it to my son. I was like, hey, you know, this is my new app. He's only like two or three at the time. And then he's using it and then hit the home button. Like after five seconds, and I was like, oh, no, brutal honesty. Go show your kids. Trust me, they'll figure it out. I love that. Hey, I want to go back to, you said, hey, track everything. Why are you tracking it? What are you hoping to find with this data that you're tracking? Good question. So I guess the initial answer is, if you're at this stage, you don't know. Like You don't know what you're going to find. Um, That's why you want to track as much as possible, right? Um, Now, if someone's coming in who's either like working in product or growth person or someone who's got, you know, some app experience, like a data analyst, whatever, they're going to kind of be asking questions and trying to figure things out. For example, let's say that you launch your app and you find that no one's signing up, right? Classic problem. You've got some sort of onboarding, but no one's signing up. If you don't know which screen, and you speak about this all the time, right? Like if you don't know which screen someone's dropping off at, then you have no idea what to change. You may have a 10 screen onboarding and it may be screen five where you lose the majority of people and you're like, you know, let's be systematic. Let's change screen one and then two and then three. If you have visibility, you would just start at five. Um, So I think there's obvious things like that. But beyond this, and this is where we can go kind of deeper, you want to kind of get an understanding of correlation and causation, right, long term. So, for example, if there are certain actions in your app that end up leading to more long-term retention, then you'll find that there's a correlation. Ah, people who use this feature stick around longer. It doesn't necessarily mean that the reason they're staying is because of that feature. It just means that there's some sort of link between this feature and people sticking around. Then you can dig into that further, right? So you might be like, let's see what happens if we 
make this feature super prominent in the app. Like, let's make it a big button on the home screen. Let's, you know, as soon as they finish onboarding, redirect them to this screen. You can do things like that and then begin to see if that improves retention. Now, it might not because it may just be correlation, right? It may just be that that specific group of people had a specific need for that feature and it's that need that meant they stayed around whereas everyone else on the app didn't. Um, but if you're not tracking, you can't do that. So those are just a couple of examples. I love that. Yeah, and things I look at, I agree, completely agree with you. One of my clients went from seven onboarding screens to four because his date was like, now they're married at the time. <laughs> now they're married. But the date was of a first date. She's like, okay, cool. She just like exited during the onboarding sequence. She's like, so yes, she probably wasn't the ideal user, but the fact that she exited, he brought it down to four and saw an improvement in conversions. We're actually working with one of our clients who was like, you know, we're only getting about 60, I think it was like 40% on the signup rate. And I was like, okay, let's really fix the signup the registration page. And then it reminded me of our conversation with Leia. And she's like, Hey, you know, we, 90% of iOS users use, you know, Apple. So I was like, okay, leveraging that data point. I was like, okay, let's move the Apple. And she's like, look, we just moved the Apple first. And we saw like, I think it was like a 10% lift on that signup page because you made the continue with Apple button, the number one option versus the number two or three option. Yeah. On that note, I've got another um, spanner to throw in the works, not of what you said, but just that people are going to be like, this guy, don't listen to this guy. (laughs) Um, So, and I've seen this like multiple times and I've always been against it because everyone says from the data they see that it's different, but like position of sign up, right? Mm. Now it makes sense to have a long onboarding, ease them into the product, right? You know, deliver some value before either paywall or sign up, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Um, However, when you're early stage, people may drop off really, really quickly. And you also need to be able to speak to people, right? So what I've done before, um, when I was working at Spoke, we did this, was we actually put onboarding after sign up, just so that we can capture information. Um, We also removed like Apple sign-in and Google sign-in. The reason being is obviously if people opt out of Apple's, um, if they have their privacy settings not passing through the email and they sign in with Apple, you can get the private relay and email them in certain ways, but you can't have the same kind of communication with them. Um, So removing all of those and forcing people to sign up means, yeah, you're going to get less people signing up. Yeah, you're not optimizing long term, but you may have a bigger pool of people to speak to and kind of do research with. Um, so it's a little trick just to kind of, you know, help you develop your product early on. Definitely don't stick with that long term, um, but it can help in the early stages. I love that. And it reminds me of another interview. This is why I love doing this, Nathan. It's just like data points that I have. But I apologize for forgetting the name, but okay. I won't forget you, bro. But the, the, another, another interview we had was, and I will pull up the name, but he said, look, we didn't build up a signup feature. We just asked for their email. Right. And I think if you're going to do that signup process, which I love Nathan, I really do love that. I wouldn't just be saying it if I didn't, but like you just said, Hey, what's your email? And then that's what he asked for. Cause I think on the signup process, if you are just trying to engage your users and you want another way to communicate with them, all you really need is that email. Don't ask me for my name. Don't ask me for a password. And that's what all he did was like, what's your email address? Grabbed it, didn't ask for a password, wasn't really even creating a user account, but wanted that to further communicate with his users. So that's an easy process to do. I love that. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I've never even thought of that. I think probably because the apps I'd been working with already had sign up. So it was more like <laughs> going backwards. 
but yeah that's brilliant love it okay and i'm gonna pull up that person name he's like i told you that steve how do you dare not remember me <laughs> romaine's here of course he's, he's the french guy he's the french guy hey what's up romaine and then feeder is here patrick says yo chill mike is more chill these days so you're probably gonna be fine don't worry about tyson <laughs> and then he said loves the positivity from you both that's why he's here business shout your shots yes. i'm a business miguel's here what's up miguel hi fam joe finally and then <laughs> steve's son noah gave me a one star it's noah's birthday guys aiden i love this too you can expand on this nathan but like when asking for people for opinions they always ask how do i do this i always reply i like to see if you can work it out yourself if you can't, I got work to do. I love that, Aiden. And one of my biggest pet fees is when somebody shows me their app and just walks through it and shows me everything. I'm like, bro, you ain't going to learn anything. Let me figure it out. That way you will learn stuff. So I love that idea too. You want to expand on that at all? Like, oh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, yeah, you put it really nicely, right? I think <laughs> one of the things is, uh, it's that kind of famous Henry Ford quote. Like um, if you would ask people what they wanted, they would have told you, you know, give me a faster horse. Um, whereas he was kind of building the car. And it's like not exactly on this point, but closely related. <laughs> because I find like when you're the user or you're the tester of the app, like, yeah, you want to know how to do it. But by figuring it out, the developer can learn so much more. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the developer needs to really pay attention to the problems that the user has because the user can't tell you what to do. Or they might tell you what to do, but you shouldn't listen to them. Um yeah, for example, I'll give an example, right? So we were building, I was working with this app. It was kind of like a, a mindfulness app. And the founders wanted to interview all of the users and just ask them like, hey, what features should we build? And they wanted to re- like reel out five features and be like, this one, this one, this one, this one, or this one, mm-hmm. the microphone. And different people were like, oh yeah, 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 I like that. I like them all. Oh yeah, I like them all. And it's just not a good way to figure out what to build like either you telling them uh, sorry them telling you i want this means nothing because people don't know what they want i think the great thing about like developers and product people and you know entrepreneurs is that they have this innovation right they have the vision and i think the intuition of hmm i see you've got this problem here i've got this idea how about this idea solves that problem that's where the magic happens the magic doesn't happen in them telling you yeah Build this. Sometimes it can, but not all the time. I love it. The there was something I wanted to move on to. All right, let's go into Tahid's question. Consider using Google Ads as a mean to drive app growth and revenue for indie developers struggling with ASO challenges. What are your opinions on that? Should we be using Google Ads to drive some organic growth? Interesting question. I think it really depends on why you're struggling with ASO. I think right, I like to break ASO down into discovery and conversion. If it's a conversion problem, i.e. people are landing on your product page and not converting, then running paid traffic isn't going to help. Um, like You need to be testing the headlines. You need to be testing the subtitle, the description, the screenshots, adding a video, switching position of screenshots. You know That needs to happen so that you can improve conversion. And then when you push paid traffic through, you'll get some results. Now, if discovery is the problem, like you're struggling to get people to find your app like because of your keyword research, then I would again follow up with another question, which is, why are you struggling to find the right keywords? Because it could be that your app is super, super niche, and there's just not a lot of volume for those keywords. 
and in which case, sure, you may struggle with ASO, but it also might be that you just don't understand your, your target user very well and you're not putting the right keywords in. So I would say try and figure out ASO first, um, or at least you know give it a lot of attention and put those keywords in. Do the customer research. You know, use the ASO tools that are out there that Steve has loads of videos on, by the way, that can really easy to follow. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, start with those and then move across to paid ads. There's a caveat though. Should I tell them the caveat? Of course, please. Giving away all my secrets. <laughs> all right. Well, here, let me make you the focus. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> the benefit of running paid traffic, um, not so much Google ads. I guess it depends, right? If you're talking like UAC or plain, you know, Google search ads to a landing page to download the app. It depends on what you mean. Um, but the benefit of running paid traffic is that you can test really quickly. So you can test different copy, you can test different messaging, you can test different images. If you use Meta, you can test creatives. You can do creative message testing and all of this stuff, which can then inform your store description and you know give you some different ideas for like standard ASO tests. So there is a caveat, but generally I would say if like I was reviewing the app, let's try and figure out why there's an ASO problem. Okay. Here's what I would say to, to read. So using Google Ads, Look, I agree with Nathan. If you have your ASO foundation set in place, Google ads, we have one big client running massive UA campaigns, and we've seen good, res really good results with our keyword rankings posts. It's one, the benefit of our, you know, having the right keywords in the right places, but also a lot of the UA side of things. So I think I would do it if you have nothing because you need something and we are seeing positive effects with ASO once you have some downloads too. So it's a great starting point, but you got to make sure your found your ASO foundation is set. And then Google will give you a little bit of push in your keyword rankings. You should start to see a difference once those downloads come in too. And so that's what I would say as well. The other thing I want to say, Nathan, was like when you said the niche, you know, like, are you solving a real problem? I prefer to be in the niche under a niche. You know what I mean? Like how yeah. niche can you go? Because I think developers tend to be like, this is what I hate all the time when I'm talking to the startup founders, like it's for everybody, bro. I'm like, yo, it's not for everybody. Like if it's like you fear sleep, sleep, okay. Help you sleep in what way, you know, is it through white noise? Is it through meditation? Is it through acupuncture? Like what way? And then just solve that need. Hey, you want to go on sleep through acupuncture and here, this is what this app does. Go ahead, try it out. And so that way you can build the right features because here's what I feel, Nathan, if you go niche within a niche, within a niche, you can always go back up, right? Whereas people tend to start up here instead of starting way down here because I want the user base down here making money because we're a business and then I can know I can go all the way up here. Stop starting from up here. Start way in the niche. You're, you, you know, it's easy to go up. It's really easy to go up. Yeah, 100%. It's like the narrower end of the wedge, right? Start niche and then build out. I think one thing to add, like one problem I've experienced in the past when dealing with a niche app, and I'll use it as an example, but I'm not going to say the app's name. Um, so we tried Apple search ads, right? And because there's so many competitors in that specific space, yeah. it meant that this app was a niche in the niche. It was like an app for specific people struggling to sleep, right? It wasn't like, yeah. it's not everyone's going to use it. Um, so of course, the challenge was it was more persona and culture oriented than it was necessarily um, like a use case 
Yeah. So there was no way to target that person with the keywords. Like you can change the keywords, but it's going to be the same people. Right. And that means that like you're going to get loads of impressions and they're going to be people with the problem. But because of the type of app it is and the kind of who you're appealing to, it's going to be a really small percentage of those impressions that actually want the app. So if you are doing a niche within a niche, you have to work really hard at knowing who those people are and like realistically testing a lot more channels. Well, this is a great transition to our next topic. How do you use meta ads to test your jobs to be done? So I agree with you. And I think I've worked with certain apps like, yo, we're ASA is not the right platform for you. <laughs> like we're going to have to use Google or Facebook meta, in my opinion, because then we get really targeted with who we're looking for versus what they're looking for. So break it down for us. How do you use meta? Yeah. So let's say you're a niche app within a niche, right? Um, if you have your target user in mind, one of the first things I would recommend doing is finding some creators who will resonate with that person, right? So I'm talking about like finding some UGC creators or some influencers, if you have enough budget to work with you to make some content. In fact, I'm going to push that to step two. I'm going to, I'm going to go back even further. The first thing you want to do is speak to your customers, right? Interview them and get some cues on different types of language to really understand their job to be done. And I think jobs to be done is sometimes misunderstood. <laughs> Funny story. I spoke to this one founder and I said, have you heard of jobs to be done? And he said, yeah, only from my wife. Um, <laughs> when it comes to the garden, uh, there's jobs to be done. Oh, my God. <laughs> that joke, but, but still. Um, <laughs> one of the good ways of looking at the job to be done framework is when I dot, 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 I want to dot, 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 so that dot, dot, dot. Right. So mm. when I am struggling to sleep, I want to get to sleep faster so that I can, and this is the important bit, feel more rested in the morning. Right. Like we, we talk about feature benefit a lot in marketing. Like the feature will be like 50 different sounds and the benefit is to help you sleep. But it's so much deeper than that. It's, but why do you want to sleep? Like, do you want to sleep because you wake up in the morning and you, you missed your alarm? Do you want to sleep because you're not feeling productive in the day? Do you want to sleep because you've started like exercise and you've seen some YouTube videos that sleep is important and you like want to get into your fitness? Like, do you want to sleep so that you can wake up early and get some work done? Like there's so many different so that I cans and that's where you can focus. So I would take all of those if they've come from users and I would just create really basic static image ads on Meta, right? Like mm -hmm. in Canva, however you want to do it really cheap, um, focusing on the different messages. So for example, one might be fall asleep in minutes with this. One might be, you know, get to sleep so that tomorrow you can, you know, get to the gym. I don't know. I'm just making this stuff up. Don't test these. These are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but like those kind of things. And I would test them as images. And then I would, and this, there's arguments for and against this. I would then try and test either for installs if you have enough budget or clicks if you don't, or I would, you know, set up like a, a web campaign and try and track the web conversions um, to like a waiting list or an opt-in page just to see people converting for those different jobs to be done. Mm. Once you've got those, you can now go and find some UGC creators for your specific target user, right? So remember we're talking about the niche in the niche. Yeah. 
So let's say let's say this is a sleep app for gym dudes, right? Okay. Gym bros. I'm, I might have to do that. Uh, sleep app. <laughs> Go and find some like massive guys or like you know gym people and get them to be creators in your video. Um, you know, script out some things, storyboard out some ads, and let them run them. Um, maybe take the top five and push them out. Because in doing that, you're going to start to bring in the right type of you know persona, and you're going to be hitting the the use case well as well. So it's a combination of persona and use case. Um, that's how I would use Meta to do it. Yeah, I love it. Look, here's an easy way to. I've tried this. You go on Fiverr and look up TikTok UGC. You can select your favorite influencer and. Because I've done influencer marketing, it is the pain in the butt to find the right influencer, all that stuff. You, and you need message them, all that jazz. You can go, if you want to shortcut everything, you know, try out Fiverr as well. And we we found an influencer on there. She created the video. We liked the video. We started running that as an ad. Sometimes, you know, this is all you need too. So yeah, maybe we could put Jimbro. When you want to put Jimbro? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> okay. Well, some things came up, <laughs> but you know, you can see the people and you can pick the right influencer that works for you. And then there's, this is a great article, jobs to be done process. A customer goes through whenever she aims to change her existing life situation into a preferred one. And you broke it down beautifully with the sleep model. Here's your customer. I love this quote, dude. Every here, this one, this cosmetic in the factory, we make cosmetic in the drugstore. We sell hope. And yeah, that's that good. for makeup. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing about jobs to be done that people sometimes struggle with is that when you're trying to uncover them, you're looking for the transformation, right? Mm -hmm. So what someone wants, but you're also looking at the current state where they are now. Like in order for there to be a transformation, it's taking something from point A to point B or from this thing into that thing. Right. Um, And sometimes like people know what they're selling, but they don't know the initial state. Or right. sometimes people really know the initial state, but they don't know what they're selling. Right. It's, so like it's it's both, right? It's the struggles and the desired outcomes. Yeah, I love it. Right here. And Mary has a comment. Yes, Nathan, I went to Brandon Burchard's seminar and learned that X, Y, and Z statement about I make X for Y so they can Z. So Mary, for you, you make an app that helps people remember names easily so maybe they can sell more of their product or they can feel more confident in their communication skills. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Uh, anything else on the meta side that you want to cover for jobs to be done? Let's think. I not really. I think one thing I would say is if you're using meta for kind of these tests, you want to make sure that you give it enough time. Like if you just put out mediocre creatives with some messaging, it's not going to be successful. That's why, like, at the beginning, I was pausing with, uh, do you go to UGC creators first? Right. Ideally, if you know who your target, like, persona is, find people that will resonate with that people and just start with the creators. Like, Steve showed Fiverr, right? If it's cheap enough and you have enough budget and you can afford to and you do invest more in the creative, you will get better results. Yeah, I love it. I agree with that, too. You know, I think targeting is super important. And I... Nathan, like, I think people talk too much when they're trying to do user research, like listen for the words and then listen to the words. Don't take the words. Then I listen to the themes. This is why I love doing this. It's like, I listen to the words and I'm engaged in every conversation. But then if you start saying the same things as my past, you know, guess, I'm like, oh, there's a theme. Now I go execute. Now I'm like, okay, this is a theme now. So I'm looking for words first and then themes. And then I follow the themes versus just following the words. Yeah. 
That's really good. Clip that up. That was really good. I'm proud of myself. Honey, did you hear that? <laughs> All right. Strike Shock says, hey, guys, how do you create a strong community for your app? This is a good question. Okay, so there's some apps I'm working with right now that are doing this, right, and actually have communities. And I think you're going to be like, this guy is a spinning record. It comes, <laughs> It starts with how well you know your customer, right? Like what community are you trying to build and who are you trying to build the community for? The thing about community, in my opinion, uh, and maybe it's not an idealistic trait of, not an ideal trait of human being, but we tend to clique together, right? Like we tend to want to hang out with people like us. So if you're building a community, you need to know what the like us is, mm. right? Who are you trying to have this community for? And what are you trying to have them do in this community? Um, so I think the first thing is figuring out who and being really specific about who you want in the community. And the second thing, if it's an in-app community, is you're going to have to really spend some good time in development and having a community manager to kind of manage the community. Um, but to kick things off, to be honest, test whether or not the people you want to bring together want to be together. Mm. I will give an example. I'm trying to think of one. So let's say you are a 53-year-old business owner and you own a takeaway, right? You might have the idea, I'm going to make a community for 53-year-old takeaway owners. That takeaway owner might not care about the community. They might be super busy, right? They might be too focused on actually doing work. And the last thing on their mind may be a community. And sometimes I'm seeing it as a trend now, like probably because AI is taking over and we're turning to community more than content, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's not a solution to build a community. Um, I'll give you one, like, one example. I was speaking to this app and they are a parking app right? So they help people find parking. And they were like, they wanted me to come in and speak to them about community, like building a community. Um, and I went in and spoke to them about the reasons they should not build a community. <laughs> and the prime reason was like, they did not enough validation that anyone cares about parking, right? Like if you think about Gymshark, right? Consumer brand, not an app, but consumer brand, use influencers, massive community. If you think about parking, like it's really functional. Um, so anyway, I went off on a tangent. Go on, Steve. No, I love it. Hey, just because I come back onto the screen doesn't mean I want you to stop talking. <laughs> I'm just trying to give a different visual. As pretty as you are, I'm just trying to like, all right. It's still video, so I'm trying to give a different visual to the audience too. I love that. One of the case studies or past interviews, Chris, shout out to you, Chris. He built an app to help you quit smoking weed and he went into, so how do you build a strong community? Maybe join an existing community, learn from their needs, learn what they're talking about. And that way you can build the functions that you need and also base the community because you know what they're talking about within the community. So he built this app entirely on Reddit. And like he went to the subreddit about quit, quit smoking weed. He was like, Hey guys, I'm trying to build this app. Here's some screenshots. Here's some beta, all this stuff. And he started building this app based on the community feedback. And the mind blowing thing that happened was he's like, Hey guys, I'm ready to launch. If you want access to the beta, give me your email address. And I was like, Chris, how'd you get it, their email address? So it was like a Google form, type form. What, is, what did you do? And he's like, 
I just said, leave your email in the subreddit. I was like, people just <laughs> left their emails? And then he's like, yeah. And I was like, what? It was insane. And he's like, yep, that's how they did it. And so it is being that scrappy sometimes. But I would say, you know, if you don't know what to do yet, build a, join a community, see what they're saying. And then you could start figuring out, okay, what features I need to build too. And that's what he did. He joined that community, figured out what features to build. And now you know what people are already talking about to then build your community as well. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, let's see some comments. Mary said, I got data on people, on how people perceive and navigate my app by going to Starbucks with $5 gift cards and offering to buy them coffee if they could just use my friend, you know, if they could use the app for five minutes and see what they do. In the- I think it's a great way to test like UI, UX stuff. But to Nathan's point, Mary, like maybe you're not finding the right user for your app, but you'll figure out if your app is usable by a dumb person. Okay, and then David says, hey, hey, David, I'm struggling with the 41 score keywords on position three. What can I do it to get to number one? I've been struggling there for three months. Any feedback for him? You're going to have to kick this one off, Steve. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you why. I yeah. wrote years ago, right, when I was starting in apps, like I went to App Masters to learn about ASO. So for me to take this question <laughs> over you, it's... Uh, I had no idea, man. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, okay, David, here's what I do. There's obviously some tricks that I know that I, might, I won't reveal here, but here's some obvious tricks that you can do. Depends on the keyword. You might never beat them. So if you really don't think that your app is better, here's what I hear, Nathan. My app is way better than that first position. Is it because are they making more money than you? Do they have more ratings than you? Yes, functionally, you may be better. But on the surface, you're not better. And Apple is always going to weight that app a little bit higher than yours. So maybe one, think about if they have less reviews, if they don't have as much revenue as you, then I can truly help you get to number one. But if they do, let's say I'm like a meditation app, right? And I'm number three. Now I'm never going to beat these guys. So I'm going to give up. So the other alternative is to find a new keyword that is less competitive, that is niche within a niche within a niche. And if, you know, I did this case study where we were ranking number one for two keywords around a search traffic of 30, we're making eight to 10,000 with this app and it's getting about a hundred downloads. So maybe there's another app that another keyword that you can rank number one for instead of trying to live. Why be the third best when you can be the first best in a smaller pool, build up that. Then once you start generating revenues, then maybe go back to this number three position keyword and you can finally beat the number one. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think so obviously reviews and ratings are super important, right? Like I sometimes I've heard this question from apps that have like two stars and they're like, <laughs> they have two stars. Like how do I get to position one? And the, the actual <laughs> position one is like 4.9, <laughs> <laughs> nine thousands of ratings. So <laughs> it's going to take some time. Um, I would say, to be honest, if you really, really want that keyword and you want to be higher, just go try some Apple search ads. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, if, if you can. Or the other thing I would suggest is going back to the drawing board and, like, having a, a kind of strategy out for, okay, I'm going to start with these keywords. And then once we're ranking higher for those, we're going to switch to these keywords because they're, you know, higher difficulty and we've got lower chance at the moment. But as we, you know, improve our conversion on these keywords, then we can. And then kind of going through that steady process, I think it's good to keep in mind the keywords that you want to rank for long term, but also be realistic about what you can rank for now. 
Yeah, I love it. Here's what I will also, I love that. Let's add on this. This is why, again, I love what I do. Okay, here, to, to Nathan's point, go aggressive. So David, have an Apple search ads campaign with just that keyword, create a CPP promoting that main keyword as the number one screenshot be like you know let's say sleep sounds sleep number one sleep sounds app or whatever come up with some tagline with sleep sounds go super aggressive like i want to do like a ten dollar cost per tap i'm going to go all in create an in-app event with the title having that same keyword and then the short description all that stuff so now you're truly maximizing everything that you have in your arsenal to then hopefully outrank that and then go all in for a month or a week or two and see what happens. Sometimes it does take time to do this, but that's a strategy I've been wanting to test on my own. So I don't know if this is going to work or not, but that's an, an idea that I had. It was like, if I wanted to go all in on these set of keywords, why don't I just create an Apple search ads campaign where I am so aggressive that I'm going to get like 60, 70% of the impression share. And then I'm going to create a CPP. And I'm just going to maximize my efforts and I'm going to create an app event to hopefully help my keyword rankings and further maximize all my efforts. Going all in. Yeah, I've done something like that. I would go. Yeah, like it it worked, but the reason it worked was because the the app was converting well, right? So like, yeah, there was a very long lifetime value. You know, mm. sort of trial was was good, so it could be done. But sometimes, like there was another time where the cost per tap got to the point where it was a little bit too expensive, to where it, it didn't make sense to actually try and compete on these keywords. Um, so I guess that's the only time where it doesn't work. But apart from that, with the other app that kind of had product market fit, it worked. Love it. Cool. David, reach out to us. It's like, thanks. My app has much more revenues and two extra ratings than the first app, but the second one is the biggest, which makes hundred. Give me the keyword, David, if you want to, then we could really break it down. So if you're open to it, give us the keyword there too. All right, Nathan, you ready for my ready. favorite part of the show? Oh, waiting <laughs> for years. Right. Here we go. Let's do some dad jokes. All right. Yeah, guys, before we do that dad jokes, we this is normally when we do our app audits. If you want us to take a look at your app, there is like a six to seven month wait. All right. Just keep that in mind. Go to appmasters.com slash audit and we'll take a look at your app and do it an audit live on YouTube in a future live stream. All right. We are playing for dinner. So either Nathan's going to come out to MAU Vegas next year or... We'll probably see in London, but that's what we're playing for. All right, Nathan, you want to, you go first. How about that? You go first, I'll go first the second round. <laughs> yeah, because I've got a few. All right. So, Steve, what did the ocean say to the beach? What? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> All right. I like that. All right. Here's one. Uh, I'm trying to find a good one. <laughs> Uh, okay all right i'll go with this don't writing them now what is this <laughs> i uh, look literally dude i'm looking at it <laughs> this is from in and out my kids went there uh, they had a bunch of dad jokes and i was like i love it okay i love this one. okay here we go this is the winner all right nathan nathan what do porcupines say when they kiss i don't know what do they say ouch there you go. <laughs> All right. But, but ask if you thought my joke was better. Put N if you thought Nathan's joke was better. Oh, I know, David. Headbands. All right. We'll get to it, David. All right. First app that we will do. Look, there's a lot of line. I need you guys to vote. Mary, stop working out. Put S for Steve. Put N for Nathan if you thought his joke was better. Jake, 
and Steppen was the app <laughs> that said, hey, we didn't build a sign-in feature, sign-up feature. We just asked for their email address. And so I don't know if they have a sign-up feature yet, but when we broke it down on live stream, previous live stream, he did share that. And I love that strategy. So that was Jake. Shout out to you, Jake, for sharing that. All right. We're going to take a look at this app by Emmanuel. And he says, Steve, help me with some ASO. That's all he put. So Nathan, go ahead. Lead it off for me. Okay. So... I think the first thing that stands out to me are the screenshots. Well, actually, is that 1.5 star? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to be nice, but real, right? So I think trying to improve ASO, like, you know, impressions or conversion with 1.5 star rating is really tricky because I, I come to this page and I'm like, yeah, this app probably has bugs. Right. And I think I'd, I haven't read the reviews, but I guess if we did read the reviews, there may be some this app's buggy. Um, if that's the case, I would say pause on ASO fix mm -hmm. the first. Right. Go back to those reviews, reply to every single person and say, hey, we've actually fixed the bugs. Sorry about that. Have a try now. I'm sure you'll love it. If so, can you kind of change your review? It would help us out a lot. Um, and try and really build up the the rating there, or you know bring on new users and try and build up the rating there. That's one thing I would do. Um, I think that's really important. The other thing, if we scroll down to um, the screenshots, this looks really like, nice. Yeah, the screenshots look um, they look like something went wrong in export, right? So the text on the first screenshot seems super high up, like download. And manage your your social media videos, so that's that's strange. Also, there's a lot of text on that first screen, and then screen two, three, five don't have any text. So I would suggest splitting the text across the first three. You know, um, download social media videos in the first one. You know, um, and then kind of put the different messaging across the screenshots. Also, a big one is if you make the images slightly smaller. So you can make the text bigger. Um, that may be helpful. Maybe it's because I'm looking on the desktop and not on my phone, um, but I'm pretty sure that the text looks a little bit small. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm just looking at your your videos at your fingertips without watermark. It's all very wordy, right? So starting with the screenshots, like you have to really take time to begin to understand what it means. But actually, like the app, it's really straightforward, really simple, really great idea. So if you can find a more concise way to communicate that message, that would be the first place to, well, second thing to look at after the reviews. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, like video downloader might be, I completely agree with you that rating. And so does Mary. She did fix it. Love that tip about fixing the rating and then replying to them later. Got to give it a try. So I would fix that because, you know, I have, I have worked with a client that has like a 2.3 and they rank really well for a lot of keywords, but they're running massive growth. So campaigns. And if you're not able to afford to pay, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars a month doing that, it's you're never gonna keep up. So fix the ratings first. And then from a keyword perspective, maybe video downloader downloader is too 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 like broad, whether it's TikTok, whether it's let's just say TikTok downloader, maybe finding the niche keyword would be more valuable 
there was somebody at our workshop in San Francisco and that's what they did. They helped you save their, your TikTok videos and they're doing really well in the app space. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. So like, think about what people are looking for, whether it's YouTube video downloader or TikTok video downloader. Like I said, if you don't have a big budget, start within a niche, within a niche, as long as there's keyword traffic, about at least 20 to 30, that's enough for you to get organic downloads and start ranking for it. It's enough for you to start optimizing your funnel too. Yeah. One other one. Yeah. And I personally don't like putting app in the title unless you've done your keyword research and I know that that should be there. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a personal thing because everyone knows it's an app, right? Um, the other thing which I think is helpful here and which counters what I said is you can actually optimize your title for discovery or for conversion. Right. So if you are not that worried on, you know, increasing impressions, increasing downloads from ASO because you're running other channels, maybe you will down the line. What you can do is you can have a more landing page style headline that mm. isn't necessarily focused on keywords, but it's focused on highlighting that core job to be done. Um, and then that will convert. So, for example, um, get to sleep faster. Right now, get to sleep faster. Maybe sleep faster. Actually, in fact, yeah, I do know that you know sleep faster. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> um, so that actually is a headline. Actually, could work, but something like that, right? Like you know, download videos, download videos now, or, or something like play around with those. Don't do it because I know that you do want to actually get you know more downloads with ASO, but just want to bear in mind for down the line or for anyone else who is running you know significant paid campaigns. That's something yeah. you can. Try. Yeah, I love it. Okay. And then David, to close the loop on that, says, I put some in-app purchases for free. And then when the user purchases the in-app purchase, I immediately show that person a review alert. It works for getting positive reviews. So that's great too. And his keyword is called headbands. Headbands. So Manuel, to close the loop on you, fix your product, you know, figure out the one thing before you even think about it. So like fix your product, All right? Headbands. Yeah, I don't know. David, I know you have more reviews, but I don't know. They might have been around for a long time. You know, we can, I think I worked with him. So sorry, David, if we did work together. But the thing I would, yeah, I don't, like I said, I, I tried the in-app event and I tried to figure out how to do it. And, you know, we can talk about some strategies privately as well. All right. Because we're sure on time, I'm going to go straight to, I'm not going to look at Emmanuel's app because he didn't ask me to look at it. So I'm just not going to do it. We're going to go to round two of dad jokes, but let's look at round one. Here, I got a boxing bell too. Where the hell is all my stuff? All right, round one goes to Nathan, Mary, Romaine, Ricardo. Thank you, Ricardo. I'm glad you like that. Patrick, Samuel, you won that, man. I, all right. I wasn't giving score. I knew it was a blowout. <laughs> all right. I will go first this time, my man. Uh, since we've been talking a little about this topic, Nathan, why did the man run around his bed? No clue. Why did he run around his bed? To catch up on his sleep. Good. That's good. I'm gonna have to. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to bring out some of the uh, the big boy dad jokes for this. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Shout out to my son for this one. He learned this one from school. What do you call a cow with no legs? What? Ground beef. <laughs> okay. All right. You know the drill. 
And for Nathan, I have a feeling I'm going to be Oni buying dinner for Nathan as well. But let's see what the votes show. All right. Elizabeth said, take a look at our app. She wants advice on ASO as well. So I will look at her app from an ASO perspective. It's called Xverse, the number one Bitcoin and Web3 wallet. Here it is. All right, Nathan, kick it off for us. Kick it off for us. So I had a look at this app, right? I downloaded it and everything. I really like the kind of screenshots and everything. I think it, it's there's a lot of ratings, right? It looks like you've thought a lot about kind of the copy on top of the screenshots. So I think on it, and it looks like you're really going after keywords there in the subtitle, you know, crypto tokens, NFTs, DeFi. So honestly, it looks like you're doing the basics well. So this one's a lot harder to critique without seeing kind of, you know, your keyword rankings, your app store conversion. Like I could say something that could completely just wreck everything um, because it's nonsense. However, one obvious thing for me is I would make the font thicker on the screenshots um, for the text, um, just so that it pops a bit more. I would also not necessarily give you something to do, but a process to follow is I would increase the testing cadence of your screenshots. So you've got send and receive, you know, BTC NFTs. I'd switch that with, you know, a home for your for ordinals and Bitcoin NFTs, or switch that with, you know, earn ten percent Bitcoin rewards. I would, mm. you know, play with screenshot order. Also, also, I think a big one is I'm not sure whether or not people care about earning 10% on Bitcoin rewards um, or whether or not they care about having a home for their ordinals, right? Like if you do a bit more customer research and try and prioritize the screenshots based on the core use cases, that can help as well. Um, Sometimes when we're working on the app ourselves and in the product label, we have this idea of what we want, but it's not what the user wants. Right. So that's one thing. A- an easy way as you're scrolling to the reviews, actually, is just browse the reviews and see what people are saying about the app. Like, what are you helping them achieve? Just take that out and then just chuck it on one of the screenshots. Yeah. Maybe add a review. There's no reviews, I don't think, on those screenshots either. Yeah. Great app for stacks. If you want to use stacks protocol for NFTs or get the ordinals directly on. Yeah, that's what I would do too. And I love that because screenshot order does matter. And what I've been saying too, Nathan, is like, don't overlap them because then it makes it harder for you to just test the order. Like keep it like this format. That way you can test the order really quickly with. And the cool thing about Apple's product page optimization is you don't, you can put new builds up now. Thank you, Apple, for fixing that. So you can still run A-B tests while putting new builds into your app store. So I love that tip. The other thing I would say, Nathan is so i've been sharing this the app store the u.s app store indexes a ton of localizations let's see if i can do this properly so this is the spanish mexico right and what you want to do is since you have crypto tokens nft we'll throw them into the title right we know title has the most weight so in the spanish mexico localization put these english keywords into its title because then that helps too and i have a case study on that and then in the vietnamese one throw whatever you have in the Spanish Mexico subtitle down here. Maybe you have other keywords like ordinals or whatever, right? And then throw that into the Vietnamese, which is also helping the US to its title and have a whole new set of subtitle here. So every localization that the US indexes have a different title, have a different subtitle that you want to leverage. We have case studies where by moving, by sort of duplicating what was in the 
the U.S. subtitle and then moving in Spanish Mexico title. I didn't remove it from the U.S. title, but repeating it did help our keyword rankings for an older client. It is a little dated case study about a few years ago, but yeah, it did work. So that's how you leverage those 10 localizations that the U.S. indexes. Okay, well, I've got very sad news for me. Not sad news for you, my friend, but it looks like a clean sweep. So Patrick, two Patrick, give you an N. Thank I mean, you, give everyone. you an N. Ricardo, thank you, Ricardo. Samuel, Mary, all chairs, really, all traders. <laughs> well, congratulations, my friend. <laughs> uh, I, I had some, there you go. Here, I have an applause thing for you. There you go. <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> anything you, you want to cover nathan before we say goodbye oh gosh you, no i mean there's always more to cover but you know well, have you back. Depends how long you've got right <laughs> i think it's your way of saying steve can you have me back? i'm like okay nathan don't worry i'll have you back <laughs> all right yeah. look guys if you would have me back then we'll, we'll talk about more <laughs> I love it. A little teaser for round two. I got to redeem myself. I got to win the sad jokes. Look, guys, if you guys really want to work with Nathan, he shared a lot of great tips. He's going to walk you step-by-step from if you got raised a little bit of money, have that seed founding and need to get to the next step. He's going to walk you step-by-step through the next step and help you really grow, not just the top of the funnel, but the, the inside, the funnel itself as well. So go check out Perceptics, Perceptics.com. And that's Perceptics with a Y instead of an I, but it is linked up into your favorite podcast, streaming, consumption, media consumption platform as well. And Nathan, if the audience wants to connect with you personally and say, thank you so much for coming on, you want to send them anywhere else? LinkedIn is a great place. Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, awesome. There's so many Nathan Hudson's, so you might have to <laughs> Or type in like Nathan Hudson Perceptics. Um, but yeah. Nathan Hudson, Mike Tyson should get you to the right search, aka Mike Tyson should it get probably you to the right. <laughs> Joe says it's a great scene. Nathan had a helpful insights. And then yes, come back, Nathan. So people want you coming back. Or you, Nathan's LinkedIn profile is linked up into your favorite media conception consumption platform as well. Next week we're gonna have my buddy Moyo to come on and really break down his indie success story as well. So join us every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, whatever time zone you might be in, 12 Eastern Eastern. What is it in London? Like 5 p.m.? Almost 6? Yeah, almost 6. So 9, 5 p.m. in the UK. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you guys for watching. I'll see you on the next video. Have a good weekend. Bye. Next. Tired of overpaying for App Store optimization? Get unlimited ASO and app marketing support to increase your keyword rankings, downloads, and more importantly, your revenue. Learn more at asomasters.com. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.